it's not just I don't want to live it like I'm I'm going out and doing drugs or murdering people, right? That's not what, but but if you're not willing to live an intentional community and build an intentional relationship with someone, that is not gospel living. We are back. I'm Michael Gormley, and I'm here with my homeboy, David Oh, yeah. I'm right here. We're here for Every Knee Shall Bow. I think this is the greatest podcast in the history of podcasts. Don't tell my friend I'm going to tell him every that. time I um, see him that our podcast is better than yours. <laughs> uh, today, we have a great topic. It's our ministry experience of preaching the gospel. We're going to tell a little bit about our own successes and failures and other things like that and the, the very reality of conversion. Right. I think that sometimes... Um, when we're talking about the scandal of the church, all these things that are going on, uh, we can lose sight of the fact that Christ is still active and working in people's lives. So why don't you kick us off, Dave? What are we going to talk about today? So as uh, as Gomer said, uh, today's talk, we're talking about the experience of preaching the gospel. What is the ministry experience? We're going to tell you a few stories and, and things like that. But I think what's important to understand is this, and it's going to sound so simple. It is possible to talk to someone who doesn't know the Lord, share the gospel with that person and build a relationship with that person and slowly begin to reveal God to them. And then for them to make a decision to follow the Lord and for God to change his life, to change that person's life. Okay. Now, now that is so overly simplified what I just said, (laughs) but I think it's important because what we're getting into now is an era of time where people are totally comfortable with their children and grandchildren not being evangelized in any way whatsoever. So it's just like common. It's common in church work, and Gomer will attest to this too, for you to have a conversation with someone where they'll say, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, my son is like a really great person. Um, I mean, he's living with his girlfriend, but, you know, what are you going to do about that? I mean, there's nothing you can really do about that, you know? So this person is obviously making a decision, you know, based not based on the gospel, right? I mean, they're, they're, they, they grew up Catholic in a Catholic family. The person obviously were raised that way, but they're making a decision differently. And I think that for so many of us, we've become completely comfortable with the fact that conversion, real conversion and real change just doesn't happen anymore. We want to remind you that the gospel actually works. We're not just like blowing smoke at you, right? And we're not saying even that it has to be the most perfect circumstances for someone to respond to the word of God, that we regularly witness souls who have no relationship with the Lord move from a basic faith in Jesus Christ, a basic belief in the message of the gospel, to a relationship with the Lord, to having him as actually the Lord, the center of their life where they're making decisions based on that. So so I, so it's important to keep in mind if you are going to evangelize that this is possible, right? This is a possibility to do. It's like <laughs> I was on the world's worst high school football yeah. team and I used to have to remind myself of the possibility that we would win. Like I would I used to have to think like, you know, it's possible that we would win this game. It's a possibility. Today could be the day. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> in the universe it is possible that a team like us wins, right? Like something <laughs> happens. So, so I want to, I want to end with this. I have a question for you, Gomer, Okay. a question only for you, really only for me. All right. All right. I, I want to know, like, what is your most potent example? Who, who have you watched, uh, start out closed and open and blossom in front of you as a result of hearing the gospel, responding to God's word, saying yes to the Lord and, and is now at a point where they're actively, 
making daily practical decisions based on Jesus Christ being the Lord of their life. Boom. Let's hear it. Yeah. So uh, that's <laughs> no small, no small order. Um, so I do prison ministry. And uh, the first time I went, we do these retreats. And the majority of prisoners that are there are not Catholic. About 80% are non-Catholic. And in fact, most of them are anti-Catholic. Okay. So uh, so when they show up, they're ready. They've been reading all these anti-Catholic tracts, and wow. they're ready to, to go at you. But there's a handful of people who are there just for the free cookies. Oh, okay. The, uh, right. the nice coffee, which is Folgers. Um, to them, that's the nice coffee. Um, and they're just they're just kind of along for the ride. So I'm talking with this one guy, and he comes up and he goes, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure, you can talk to me. And uh, we sit down, and he starts to tell me, he goes, you know, I don't understand why all these Catholics who are all devout are telling me I'm going to hell. And I'm like, okay. He said, I get it all the time. He's like, our religions are basically the same thing. And, you know, people use the word religion in kind of loose ways. You know, sometimes they might be, I'm a Baptist religion or whatever. Right. So right. we start talking. I said, well, you know, or he says, you know, I have, uh, I have a higher power. Uh, you know, you have your rituals, and I have my rituals. And when I hear someone who's not Catholic or Orthodox use the word ritual, right, right, I get a, like, right, what does what? that mean? Right, it's it sounds pagan. Yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah. And I go, so what are you? And he goes, uh, I'm a neo pagan. Oh, okay, right. And I was like, you are literally a pagan. I feel like Saint Paul right yeah, now. Yeah. Right. So he starts <laughs> talking, and he's like, you know, I worship this power. I'm Wiccan, and I worship, you know, my bo-. and so we start we start getting into it. I said, listen, you can call something a higher power. It's not the same thing as the God right, of the right. universe, okay? You can do all this stuff. <laughs> so we start going back and forth, and I'm laying in gently uh, the apologetics, and I am going okay. nowhere. My wheels are spinning. I am trying to teach this. Like, well, so our rituals are rooted in the grace of Jesus Christ given to us. Your rituals are rooted in a guy who wanted to have a poly- polyamorous right. relationship and invented Wiccanism. And also, but this dude was convinced and convicted of Wiccanism. So he begins def- defending it and all this stuff. And he had made a side comment about a video game. Oh, oh okay. And I, I, and so I'm like praying the whole time we're talking. I'm like, right. Lord, where am I going here? This is awful. I have like four minutes before we need to get to the next thing. And so I just look at him. I say, are you, are you big into playing video games? He's like, well, you know, not right now, obviously yeah. I'm in prison, but I was, and he goes, you you on the free world that's what he calls it you out there in the free world he goes do you do you play video games in the free world and i was like actually i'm getting back into video games and he's like really like what and so i started telling him about the xbox and he's like what kind of xbox you got last time i was out in the free world it was an xbox Whoa. uh the, the original and i was like no i got a 360 i got a buddy who has an xbox one and you know we talk about blah 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 and so we just talked about atari nintendo and super nintendo for Probably 20 yeah. minutes. We skip the whole next event and we just talk video games because to him, I realized I was church yeah, guy. Of course. And I needed to become a human person. And we talked about video games for the rest of the retreat. He would walk by me and he would go, there's that video game preacher, man. <laughs> you know, like just stuff, stuff right. like that. Just funny little things. And at the end of that retreat, me and him began uh, a friendship. So every other Monday, I would show up, and he right. would come to the Catholic lay-in. And he would come after every time I would talk, he would walk up to me, and he would ask me, like, five or six personal questions. Okay, so tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more about the Eucharist. Tell me more about confession. Tell me more about confirmation. So we started talking, wow. and then I find out that he's got a son on the outside. 
his uh, his mama watches him, and we're talking about that. And then so the next day, the next time I go in front of everyone, he's like, "Hey, I just want to tell you something. Uh, I'm really excited about this. My mama started taking my son to church again." And I go, really? And she goes, yeah, she called me up and we're on the phone. And I said, mama, I don't care about uh-huh. anything else in this world. You got to get that boy to Jesus. So take him to the Catholic church. Take him to the Catholic. This is awesome. Yeah, right. So now yeah. his mom and his son are going somewhat regularly to a Catholic church nearby. And then he comes up and I'll never forget this. I walk in one Monday morning into the chapel. The chapel's about an hour away from my house. So I walk in. And he puts his arm around me, and he goes, guess what I did today? <laughs> I was like, what'd you do today? And he goes, I officially changed my 109874 form or whatever they're called in yeah, prison. Right, they didn't right. have all the mem- uh, numbers right. memorized. It's like the IRS, right? And he said, I changed my form. I am officially a Catholic on, on the paperwork. So now I get access to oh, all the things okay. a regular okay. Catholic wow. gets access to. And he goes, oh. and I started the RCIA, and I'm getting... Uh, Cause so he was baptized in a Baptist church or something. He's like, I'm getting my adult confirmation and conversion is awesome. in, uh, on Easter vigil. That's how they do it in the prison. Yeah. So he's fully converted now. He he went through the RCIA, did a year of that. He this volunteers awesome. on all the Colby retreats that we do uh, as a as an assistant. You know, he uh, regularly reaches out to his son and talks about the importance of having Christ in the center of his life and all that stuff. So uh, he is he is. And and we still talk about video games, but he is like the reminder that there there are people who came to that retreat totally apathetic, right? And walked away, um, walked away preaching Christ. That is awesome. So, brothers and sisters out there, uh, it happens. It happens all the time. We watch this happen all the time. We're we're kind of like in the back seat watching this happen constantly in souls, and uh, and it, it's kind of like the kind of thing like you know. You're you're reading instructions to put something together, and you're wondering if it's going to work at the end. Well, it, this works, right? When when you evangelize, when you share the gospel, it's a it's a blueprint. So I think we have to take a break, right, Gomer? Yeah, I think we should take a break. Take a break, everyone. Uh, refresh your glasses of water that are empty, even though you have a sore throat. I mean, maybe that's me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's all about him. It's all about it. It's all about me. And when we come back after the break, we're going to tell some failures. Oh yeah, we'll hear some failures, right? Oh yeah. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, we're back with every knee shall bow. Hope you had a good break there. Boom. Yeah, not bad. I hope you're still ex- got myself a delicious pint of water. Look at that. Oh yeah. We're gonna talk about um, what what happens a lot. You know, it, it, failure. And I guess to set this up, what we have to understand is that you know when we say failure, what we mean are mistakes that we've made or situations that didn't turn out maybe the way we thought they were gonna turn out. Not failure in the sense that. Uh, like, you know, someone's soul is in the balance, right? God is working toward to bringing people towards uh towards himself, right? We're just cooperating. Gomer, I w- I'm dying to hear your best failure story. Well, let me just start off by saying, okay, 
that this this happened once you have one failure story <laughs> yeah, I, I only have one story <laughs> now let me start off by saying though that the failure the biggest failure is not evangelizing right because in the end the lord can use your quote-unquote failure and your mistake he can use that he can write straight right. with your crooked lines right. down the way the biggest failure is you feeling prompted by the holy spirit to say something do something and you do nothing so, and Gomer, have you ever had this happen? Like, uh, you know, where after a talk, someone will come up to you and say, it really moved me when you said this, this, and this, and you, and you're like, I never said any of that stuff. And it's almost like the, <laughs> that God just like, is like, get out of my way, Dave. I'm going to tell them what I want to tell them. Well, you're not doing the right thing. Um, uh, I've had, I've had many failures, uh, specifically in, um, the follow-up. So my failure as an evangelist yeah nine times out of ten occurs when i have that initial you know two hour long coffee conversation person's crying i'm trying you know i'm walking with them it's great everything's going well and then my follow-up stinks right so mine's not so much a story as it is an right. attitude i i am terrible with that sure. so for instance um I mean, I, I've had this where you, I've had this great conversation with this one individual struggling with pornography, uh, wife was about to divorce him, all of this stuff that was huge in this person's life. And we sit there, we sort it out. You know, people use me as the the fixer guy. I don't know if you get that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like totally. everything's falling apart. I'll call Gomer. Right. Yep. Then I work with them. Everything stops falling apart or, you know, some things stay together. And then I never hear from him again. Well, I feel like I do that to other people. Once I get them in like a slightly good place, I just don't follow up. Right. I, and that is that is honestly my biggest failure. Um, consistently, if if you were to point to something that I did, that would be like, that's it. Right. That's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for me, I think my failures come in three ways. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest here. Okay. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three ways. So I either go too fast. I go <laughs> too slow. Or I'm not a great witness in my life, okay? Or I, I maybe I'm, you know, I, I make a mistake and am not good enough of a witness in my own life, okay? Yeah. I'd say more often than not, the problem is going too fast, right? So I, I know, you know, one time in in high school, uh, the brother who was like the dean of discipline came to me and he he said, uh, there was this young kid at the high school. He was like a freshman. I guess I was a senior or a junior at the time. And he had been sick. We had thought that he was like really seriously ill. He had been gone for like three or four weeks. And he said, do you know why so-and-so is sick? And I said, um, I, well, I heard he was like in the hospital or something. And he said, no, um, he was in a facility because he tried to commit suicide. And he said, you know, his mom doesn't know what to do. Like, this is awful. He has no relationship with God whatsoever. He has no relationship with his dad whatsoever, which is usually goes hand in hand right you know and uh they said we want you to talk to him and i'm like you know what am i going to talk to him about like you know i'm not a counselor or a psychiatrist or anything and they said well we want you to try and evangelize him yeah and i said okay you know i'm i'm open to that at this point i was actively evangelizing all the time and i was open to it but i i said like well how are we going to do this and you know i can't just walk up to him he's not going to respond to that yeah. and they go no we're going to set you up as his math tutor as his math tutor and what you have to realize in this story is that like I struggled in math my whole life. And I, I literally said to the brother, like he is never going to believe this. Like I'm flunking math. He probably is better <laughs> at it than I am, you know? And he's like, it doesn't matter. You're just using it. as like, you know, excuse to spend some time with him. Yeah. So 
I'd say for the first three months, it was like me revving the engine and him just <laughs> shutting me down, right? Like me trying to constantly bring Jesus into conversations, constantly talk about morality, talk about all the things that you know you don't want to start out with and not build that relationship. <laughs> and I learned a lot from it because I wasn't building the relationship. Finally, I just kind of gave up. And I said, look, man, what do you want to do with this time? Like, this is awful. And he at video games. That's what it was. He He's like, he loved video games. <laughs> video games save the day again. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know me, Gomer. I hate video games. Like, I hate them so much and like feel guilty if I play Tetris on my phone for like two minutes. So but he said, no, why don't we play video games? I was like, OK, let's play. So for six months, we literally just sat there and played video games for every hour, you know, the hour that we were, we were together, like twice a week for an hour. And uh and he said nothing, nothing to me at all. And then one day he paused the video game and he said, you know, I saw my dad today. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, my dad came back to talk to me. And I was like, how was that? And it just started this conversation. And all of a sudden it finally opened the door. So it's like I pushed so fast and made such a fool out of myself at the beginning because I was not willing to build that relationship and went too fast. You know, Yeah. the other thing I would say is, in high school, in college, evangelizing, your life has to reflect yep. a changed life, yep. you know. And I made that mistake many times that I sinned, you know, like all of us. I'm I'm a fallen I'm a fallen being, right? And uh and oftentimes, you know, my life didn't reflect enough of a changed heart. I want to call you to a radical newness of life. Yeah. You're right, getting yeah. drunk just like I am. Yeah, but it's a theory, you know, in theory, it's a radical news. <laughs> All right, you don't have to rub it in. That's one of the interesting things that I keep running into is people who either, A, don't want to say the words so they hope that their life testifies enough. Right. But they're, or B, uh, all they want to do is say the words and they don't want, and their life reflects nothing. Right. So it's like we're intellectually convinced or we're just right. willfully unconvinced, right? Like I got it up in my head, but I don't want to live it. You know, I don't know. It's the age old thing. I mean, we all, we all are pretty terrible at being consistent. Of course. Yeah. And I think the don't want to live it. It's not just, I don't want to live it. Like I'm, I'm going out and doing drugs or murdering people, right? That's not, but, but right. if you're not willing to live an intentional community and build an intentional relationship with someone, that yeah. is not gospel living period, you know, right. and they become such a project. It's so, it's so yeah. awful, you know, it's yeah. so awful. You're inviting people into community, right? You go from the community into mission and mission returns people into the community. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So one of my failures that I love telling is when I did beach evangelization in college, oh, yes. we walked up to total strangers, total strangers and try to preach to them the gospel. And I was so awkward because because I, you just yeah. feel that is an awkward situation. It's yeah, so you weird. just feel like you're interrupting people, like you're just bothering them. Yeah. Hi, uh, could yeah. I sell you a, a car, a vacuum right. cleaner, Jesus? Right. Like, so I went up to this one guy, and I was so frustrated because I'm so outgoing and so talkative, but I am terrible at that introduction. Yeah. You know, intro statement, right. first impression. So my evangelization partner was the queen at just walking up to people and talking. So she goes up and, uh, or we get separated. She's like talking to someone. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, you're talking with these women. You're having an in-depth conversation about stuff. I'm going to moonwalk over there. So I'm walking on the beach and I see this dude and something tells me like, just go and evangelize. I'm like, all right, if I fail, I fail. Who cares? So I walk up to the guy and I go, hi, sir. Are you a believer? <laughs> <laughs> like, <is> awesome. <laughs> and he just looked at me 
and he turned his very Italian uh, chest to me. <laughs> he had this, he had this, like you know, uh, Jersey Shore kind of suntan working, yeah. and in the middle of his chest there was a big gold cro- uh, crucifix. Yeah, and he goes, "You could say that I am." <laughs> I was like, "Good to meet you, sir." Bye. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that is the worst." I know. I I, I am the worst. That that worst. has happened so many times to me. That really yeah. has. And then and then there are times when um, it just works, right? Like you're doing almost nothing and it works. Yeah. You know, like where yeah. it just like clicks and you you know it's almost like God just says like, I, "Look look how easy it is when you when you don't try as hard." I think it's really important. Like, I guess, you know, both all of the stories that we've told so far reflect like a lack of maturity in recognizing what's called for at the time. You know, <laughs> like, you, I mean, sometimes you do, you have to just, you got to do the street evangelization thing where you're, you're preaching the end is nigh, yeah. you know, you yeah. have no time for this, but the vast majority of evangelization of real evangelization is going to take place within a, a strong relationship that you build, yeah. you know? Yeah. And oh, I always tell people, when you're weighing the failures with the successes, the reality is if you're going out there and doing it, you've already won because you're overcoming the lack of boldness in the average Catholic's life. But number two, the idea is to realize it's people, not projects. And just because we're not those type of fundamentalists who think that if they just, if I can get them to say this one little prayer at the end of a a conversation, then boom, they're saved. And then I'm done. Like, I did my thing. No, our goal is to bring people into the communion. Pope John Paul called it spiritual communion, to bring them into the communion of the church, right? Right, right. It's not just to get them to say an individual prayer because they don't want to go to hell. Right. And I'm afraid, like, sometimes um, we click into that project mode because we think, like, I mean, I could just, if I could just get them to do this and just... And uh, we disregard the fact that uh, that they're persons with wills and ends and goals and means and all this stuff. And so we just got to be respectful of that. That's the So that's why the majority of people who end up having a conversion experience have it because they have a prior trusting relationship with the one who led them to Christ. Uh, I think if you're making that mistake of like seeing it as like if they could just do this one thing, yeah. I'd say 90% of Catholics make the mistake in this way. If they could just read this book. Or if they could just meet Gomer, or if they could just <laughs> see this movie, or something, right? Like, I mean, that is a classic Catholic thing to do. If they could just read this book, yeah. I, I, a friend of mine, I remember he said, like, uh, he was saying, like, oh, I really want him to read the Confessions of Saint Augustine, and I was like, why did that like really affect you or something like that? And he's like, oh no, I've never read it. I just think that it would really help this person. And it's like, oh, that is like the epitome <laughs> of a project right there. Like, yeah, you know, you're like handing off the problem to St. Augustine. But, uh, can I, I have like an example of like when evangelization, it literally comes to you and God is basically saying, I'm going to give this to you on a silver platter. Yeah. So um, I was in an airport like three years ago. I'm sitting there reading my Bible. Okay. And I pray this prayer every day. Lord, please set up a divine appointment for me. You know, if you, if you send someone to me and make it obvious that they need to hear your word, I'll, I'll share what you've done in my life with them. Okay. So I'm sitting there, I say my prayer and a, a large Muslim family comes and sits across from me. And they were like very clearly like devout Muslims. I mean, in full garb and everything like that. And, uh, so uh, it, one of them was like a kid. He's probably between the age of like 20 and 25. And, uh, I, 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 I kind of smile at him. He smiles back. And I think, well, maybe this is the guy who, you know, I'm supposed to 
supposed to tell tell about the Lord, you know, and uh, and I try and get his attention. He wants nothing to do with it. So it's like 45 minutes before the flight's going to board. And uh, I, I think, OK, I'm going to go to the bathroom before I have to get on the plane. So I'm in the bathroom. I'm going to get real personal with you guys. Sorry, I'm in a stall. OK. And all of a sudden I hear the stall next to me open up and close. And then I hear in kind of a broken accent, uh, excuse me. And I can see that the, you know, the guy next to me is trying to get my attention. And I think to myself, like, what the heck is this? You know? And I say, uh, yes. And, and sure enough, you know, I hear in a, in broken English, this guy said, are you, were you the gentleman who was reading in the gate area? And I thought maybe I'd forgotten my keys or my cell phone or something like that. And I said, uh, yeah, that was me. And he goes, real quiet and real serious, dead serious. He said, can you tell me about Jesus? So I'm thinking in my head, like, look, you know, if, if God's sending people into bathrooms after me, like, you know, I'm going to respond to this. I don't want this happening again. You know? So, so I say to him like, Hey, absolutely. I will. I'm like, let's, let's finish up here. Wash our hands. We'll go have coffee and I'll talk to you about Jesus as long as you want. And he gets really, really serious. And he goes, no, my family cannot know about this. You have to tell me here. I'm thinking, what do I do? So I, I just do it for 20 minutes under the stall. I tell him the story of the gospel and I'm just like walking him through it and I can hardly hear him and he's crying. And I say, you know, I'm saying things like, you know, our God, he wants sons, not slaves. And I could hear him say, he wants sons, you know, and I'll, and I'd say, you know, our God loves you so much already. He just, all you have to do is respond to that love. He already is totally in love with you. And he'd say, he's in love with me. And so I finish, you know, telling him the gospel story. And I, and I say, you know, he can, we could pray right now and you could give your life to him right now. I mean, it's not official. It's not like at a church or anything, but you can give your life to the God, the God who created you. Do you want to do that? And he said, oh yes. And then it got really weird because he stuck his hand under the stall to hold my hand while we prayed. And I was like, uh, I don't want to touch your hand. But anyways, <laughs> I, I, I grabbed his hand and we prayed together and cried and prayed. And when we finished praying, he said that he had grown up in a neighborhood of Tehran, uh, which was so culturally Muslim, so militantly Muslim. He had never met a Christian in his life. He had never heard of Jesus outside of the, the Quran. His, his dad was getting transferred to a, a company somewhere else, somewhere in America, and they were moving. He said, but, but, but for the last 30 nights, every single night, he was awoken by a dream of a man bloody on a cross saying, I am Jesus. I love you. And he said, I had to know who this guy was. And that's how, I mean, I mean, literally you could not have less to do with an evangelization situation than my, than what I did. Right. I mean, God ch- chased me basically into a bathroom and, and did that. So, uh, so it's important to understand that we make all kinds of mistakes. And I think in a lot of ways, God uses those mistakes, like in church nerd language, pedagogically, right. To teach us that it's not about us, right? And then we have these situations where we do very little. I mean, I did hardly anything in that situation. You know, I didn't go to a foreign land to seek this person out. Yeah, I wasn't. Get, I trust me. I am not eloquent or wise, right? I'm not winning him over with arguments. It's just God set it up, and so these things are happening all the time. This is happening all over the world, all the time. God is drawing people to Himself. Man, 
That is an intense story. So, yeah, brothers and sisters, I mean, it's happening. Yeah. You know, God is wait. He's looking for the willing, really, at this point. He's looking for the willing to share the faith. Yeah. The field, uh, the field is ripe. He's just looking for laborers. You need to be one. All right. So right now we're going to do our take five. These are five practical tips, tools, spiritual things that we can give you in order to equip you to be an evangelist. Yeah. Okay. Number one. If any hobby you have, you have to invest a little bit in that hobby, okay? Evangelization is so much more than a hobby, but let's compare it to something like that. If you play golf, you're probably spending, it's possible, hundreds hundreds of dollars a month on golf. Tennis, you got to buy a tennis racket, tennis balls, any kind of hobby, you're going you're gonna to invest into that hobby, okay? Evangelization is is of crucial importance for all of us. For all of us, for the history of the universe, right? You're playing a role in the outcome of the history of the universe, okay? Uh, and so we want you to invest in that. And so one small investment you can do is is just today, you don't have to read it yet, but I just want you to purchase a book called Forming Intentional Disciples, which is one of the most important Christian books of our century. I really believe that. It really is. But I'm but Gomer's more yeah. eloquent than I, so I'm going to tell you I'm going to let him explain why it's so important. Yeah, Sherry Waddell, who's a convert to Catholicism, wrote this book after spending years in the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. She realized working with a whole wide range of people that they had no living relationship with the God, with God at all. They did their duty when it came to mass on Sunday, but it wasn't filled with faith. And so she ended up uh, writing this book of forming intentional disciples to number one, to wake us up at as the, the dire need of conversion right now, we need to be evangelists seeking people to find God. If we are so privileged to have a relationship with Christ, how dare we not share that? And it lays out, um, it lays out many different ways and understanding of how to lead people to conversion and what is discipleship. And it's just a really great way to understand within a Catholic context, the call to evangelization and discipleship. Um, The second thing, okay, so for our take five, my takeaway is I want you to read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, part one, section one, chapter three, man's response to God, paragraphs 142 to 175. You can crank this out in literally 10 minutes. And I'm telling you this, this is the best and most wonderful understanding of faith. All right. I think as Catholics, we're really good at the ritual, not so good at the faith part, that subjective dimension of trustful surrender to God. And so this lays out both the individual and the ecclesial dimensions of faith, man's response to God. Boom. Number three, uh, as an effort to to remind us that the charisma is not something that we meditate on, respond to, and leave behind, but it, it will be an ongoing part of your life forever, right? We'll continually be formed by the charisma, the basic gospel message that uh, yeah. that's present throughout so much of the church and in the gospels and and uh, in the in the the New Testament. So I want you to take Acts chapter four, eight through twelve. It's so short, right? Uh, you could do this again in ten minutes easily, and I want you to just prayerfully work through it, prayerfully meditate on it. It's another example of a preaching of the charisma, and it's very short and, and easy to get through. So uh, you could do this, you know, a few times this week uh, for your practical takeaway. Again, we want to be so comfortable with the basic gospel message with the charisma. So take Acts chapter four, eight through twelve, verses eight through twelve. 
for number four, uh, this is something very practical that you can do to continually prepare your heart and to engage in spiritual evangelization. Go to your church, walk the whole perimeter of your church, walk the parking lot, whatever, and pray the rosary for conversion. I love this. Yeah. You, you might be a, a Catholic who just loves their rosaries, right? Or Divine Mercy Chaplet, whatever you want to pray, and walk the perimeter. I'm lucky that I have uh, a huge sidewalk that I can walk the whole front perimeter. And then I have a, a big uh, kind of outlying sidewalk around the parking lot. So I just walk over and over again for my lunch break, and I just pray the rosary for conversion, right? I don't do it every day, but when I do it, that's that's what I do. And I just pray for conversion. And I'm going to tell you, it works. It works. A yeah. man a man who was a lapsed Hindu showed up at my church one day and said, God spoke to me and said, go to St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands and ask them about becoming, uh, following me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Right. Out of nowhere, another woman heard an audible voice saying, go to St. Anthony's. That is awesome. And it was all the time that I started this this whole thing. So it's powerful, and it's real, and it works. And Our Lady wants them to know her son more than we do. Yeah, I think I think our Protestant brothers and sisters, they call it a Jericho walk. I love it. I love it. Let those walls Let the come walls down, baby. Come tumbling down. <laughs> all right, number five. Number five. Uh, it's important to know... What we don't know about our faith, okay? And so uh, just a, a kind of an easy activity is I want you to take one of our creeds, the Apostles' Creed, and just prayerfully work through it this week. Meditate on it. Uh, work through the different uh, tenets of the creed. And it what, what this does is it almost kind of provides an examination of conscience in the sense that uh, there are certain things in the faith that we're like, wait a minute, I've never really thought about. I pray this all the time. But I've never really thought exactly about what I'm affirming here. And uh, it kind of helps us to understand what we don't know about our faith and what we can't explain about our faith. So it's not just important to know our faith, but it's important to know what we don't know well. So pray through the Apostles' Creed. And this is Every Knee Shall Bow, a awesome podcast about evangelization. At least I hope it's awesome. <laughs> All right. God bless you all. We'll see you next week. God bless.